Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. So if I say the word evangelism, what comes to mind for you? Or just evangelist? What's the picture that you, that you get in your mind? Is it a very charismatic celebrity pastor preaching in a stadium full of people, calling people to repent? Or is it maybe you know, a person shouting at people on a bus? Or you know, someone standing on the corner of a street handing out Bibles and pamphlets? Maybe the picture that you get in your mind is a group of people that cross the borders into the nations to go and win people for God. What comes to mind for you if I say the word evangelist? I ask you this question, what if evangelism is not what you thought it was? Is it possible that we maybe have a very particular and very narrow definition of the word evangelism? I think most Christians would agree that evangelism is important. I don't think anyone is sitting here this morning thinking, well, we don't have to care about evangelism and you know, let the lost worry about themselves. We all would agree in church, evangelism is important and the church should be doing it. But let's give it to the evangelists to do it. <laughs> right. I think you know, most of us, probably 80% of Christians, we just say, well, evangelism is very important, and that is why there has to be evangelists in the church. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not me. You know, we, we exclude ourselves. We think that evangelism is for the extroverted Christians, right? Those Christians that talk a lot like you, Abel, you can be the evangelist. <laughs> or we tend to think evangelism is for those very gifted Christians, the ones that really have that extra, you know, spirituality or that extra measure of the spirit, you know, they might be the evangelist. They have the gift. They do their thing and I'll do my thing. We think sometimes, well, it's for the professional Christians. The professional Christians, you know, those that work for the church, they studied theology. Isn't that why they studied theology, right? Evangelism is important, but it's not for me. I want to convince you today that evangelism is for everyone. Now, I believe the reason why we struggle to believe that evangelism can actually be for me and that I'm included in that reference is just because we've got a very limited and very narrow definition or understanding of the word evangelism. And so that's what I want to come and challenge and hopefully shift uh, today. Now, in reality, if we read the New Testament, um, especially the book of Acts, now, the book of Acts is just after the Gospels, you get the book of Acts, which literally tells the story of how the church spread across the world. It's literally the, the, the story of the movement of the church. Now, if we look at some of the people that God used as evangelists to take this movement forward, they were not just average people. They were below average people, to be honest. I mean, think about Peter. He was a fisherman. So if we think of fishermen in the Bible, it sounds very romantic but because we think about fishing as a sport. But do you know someone that is a fisherman by trade? Anyone? I don't. Someone does, but it's not, not many of us that know someone that actually goes out to sea every day. I mean, you can imagine Peter. He, 
He didn't make it. So schooling-wise, here's the thing. You don't need matric to be a fisherman. Okay? That's the point. And Peter probably didn't have matric or any equivalent of that in his time. You know, he wasn't chosen by some rabbi to study under him or anything like that. He was a fisherman. Did that probably because his family did it. And they had an odor, right? So they weren't the typical people you would choose to go to the people and tell them about Jesus because they might chase the people away because they stink like fish, right? That's the person God chooses. Not average, but below average people. Same with John. And even thinking about someone like Paul. Paul was very clever. He was very educated. But friends, he killed Christians. He persecuted the church. If he qualifies, I'm pretty sure you also qualify. <laughs> if we look at some of the names in the Bible, the list goes on. You know, it uh, includes tax collectors. Any accountants in the, in the house or anyone working for SARS? <laughs> Tax collectors. It included women. In this time, women were seen as second-class citizens. Yet, if you read the New Testament, the New Testament is full of women taking the Christian movement forward. God was evangelizing the world through women. In reading a book like Romans chapter 16, it lists all these different people, especially these different women. And also in the book of Acts where, where churches were meeting in their houses. The ministry was going forward because of them. Tax collectors, women, beggars. Last week we spoke about a demon-possessed man. Anyone recently met a demon-possessed man? Probably not. This guy was outside of society, staying you know, with the graves and the tombs. Because no one wanted to hang with him. He was too weird for them. God chooses him to open up a new area in terms of you know, the gospel of Jesus coming into that area. There were doctors, business owners, businessmen and women, historians, and some more fishermen. They were not average Joes. They were below average Joes. <laughs> they were people like me and you. And I think this is so important. I know we say this often, but we still think in our minds, yes, but, but they were kind of special. I mean, Peter, wow. But friends, I promise you, and that's the story of the New Testament. I'll say something about it a bit later now. But they were literally normal people like you and me. Not special in any other way. Normal people like you and me. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this. This is such a cool verse in the Bible. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I mean, that's like the qualification of being an evangelist. You need, you need to know Jesus. Otherwise, what are you evangelizing? You needed to have been with Jesus and then you're filled with the Spirit. That's it. But they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, just quickly thinking about what evangelism is, just by definition, it's anyone that tells good news, that bears good news. I mean, if, if you didn't know it, and this morning I tell you, guess what? The Springboks won last night. Amen. I am evangelizing. <laughs> Amen, yes. <laughs> He's so excited. So in this moment, Edgar and Albert, they didn't watch the game last night because they went to bed early because they have to be at church at six in the morning or whatever. So... So this was good news for them. I was evangelizing. I was bringing good news to them. Simple, very simple. It's, it's easy to talk about what you're excited about. Agree? 
I mean, let me ask you this question. Have any of you recently made the mistake of speaking to someone and asking someone about CrossFit? <laughs> you know CrossFit, those exercises, they, those people get fanatic, right? They, they say CrossFit, a CrossFit workout starts in the gym and it ends on Facebook, <laughs> right? It's like that quote or meme. The first rule of CrossFit is you always talk about CrossFit. The second rule of CrossFit, you always talk about CrossFit, right? And then if, uh, if uh, just maybe have you encountered a vegan recently? <laughs> Vegans, right? It's like if they haven't told anyone in eight minutes about veganism, they're gonna burst. It's like there's actually another, another, meme, uh, another meme after this one. Why did the vegan cross the road? to tell someone that, sh that she's a vegan, <laughs> right. And it is like someone mentioned this, this is a very good example. There's a school in Bloemfontein <laughs> and you would think that they teach the boys of that school, you need to talk about the school, but they don't. They actually tell the boys, you need to be humble about being in the school, but they just can't help themselves. <laughs> they need to tell you they were in gray, right. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, 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 Jim Fushia, right, that's what I was speaking about, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to talk about what you are passionate about. And so here's the thing, when we look at the New Testament and the early church, evangelism wasn't this thing they did, it wasn't the spiritual discipline or, you know, this exercise they did. <clears throat> it was who they were. It's just part of who they were. It's something that just needs to come natural. And I think if we redefine what evangelism is, we will realize it can actually come very natural in our lives. And it's not something that we need to work at or be very special in order to do. Now, if it is the case that it should be so easy, then why is it so hard? <laughs> I mean, surely you're asking that question, okay, we've, I mean, I've been in church for years, but yet why do I struggle with evangelism? Now, what I'm going to try and do today, and even in this sermon series, but in particular today, is I'm hoping to shift some of your thinking, some of your paradigms that you might have around this idea of evangelism, to shift that today so that, you, so that we can redefine it, that you can see it's a lot simpler, and it might already be happening in your life right now. Hopefully, that's what we're going to be stirring. I'm going to convince you that evangelism is not for the special Christians. Evangelism is for everyone. Evangelism is for everyone. Now, the most important shift that I want you to make today in your thinking about evangelism, the number one shift, and I'll end with this again at the end so that you remember this is the, the main point, is that you are not the evangelist. God is. You are not the main evangelist. God himself is the true evangelist. Let me ask you this. If you read the book of Acts and you read the New Testament, who is the main character of the New Testament? Or who's the main character of the book of Acts? Is it Peter? Right? Because, I mean, Peter preached to 3,000, then they got saved. He's a pretty important character in the book of Acts, right? Was it John or James, the leader of the church in, in Jerusalem at a stage? Or is it Paul? I mean, probably most of the book of Acts written about Paul and his life and then the churches that he planted. 
Or is the Holy Spirit the main character of the book of Acts? Is the Holy Spirit not the main character of the New Testament? You see, the Holy Spirit is the one that moved the church along. And this, this movement that has been expanding and is, is still expanding, it's the Holy Spirit that's sitting behind it. The Holy Spirit is the biggest evangelist that you'll ever know. He is the true evangelist. And he's working, but the way that he works is through me and you. He uses this fisherman, that tax collector, this beggar. He uses me and you to move the church along. And at different stages, he uses us in different ways. Now this is important, because if you don't see it like that, you put the pressure on yourself to be an evangelist. And then you think about that friend of yours that you think really feels a little bit far from God, and you put all of that pressure on yourself, I need to convince that person to start following Jesus. Man, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Don't put that pressure on yourself. What if we saw it that the Holy Spirit is even more concerned for that person than you? Is it possible that God cares more about those people that feel like they don't qualify for God and those people that feel far away from God? Is it possible that He cares more for them than what you will ever care for them? Because if that is the case, it means God is busy with a journey with this person. And at certain moments, He's going to use me. And at other moments, He's going to use Henny. And then at other moments, He's going to use Johan. But He is the one busy evangelizing someone. That takes the pressure off us. And that releases us to just be ourselves and to play the part that God actually wants us to play. Now, I want to give you three points to help us make the shift um, in terms of evangelism. Now, the, the, it's actually just two points because uh, the first one is not really a serious point. The first one is how not to evangelize. And so I thought of a number of ways how not to evangelize, just to make sure that no one goes out and does this. Um, but in order to do this, we actually went to some of the young people in our church. Uh, we've got in our church, we've got a little uh, YouTube um, uh, show, uh, YouTube channel. It's called The Good Question Show. And we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to that The Good Question Show uh, on YouTube. And we went to them and asked The Good Question Show, would you give us a very short video on how not to evangelize just so that we can get everyone to concentrate again for the sermon? And then they said, that's fine. So you can quickly enjoy this video and then we'll continue with the sermon. So... I want to quickly speak to you about six different styles of evangelism. So there are different ways in which we evangelize. And as I share these six, there might be some of them that resonate with you a little bit more, that you realize, well, I think that's a way that God is going to use me and has used me in the past. And some of it will be a combination of those. But just to help us understand, the pressure is not only on you. If God is the evangelist using his body, the church, that takes the pressure off you, and you can be who God made you to be. Because here's the thing. God made each of us unique. None of us are different. And if that is the case, it means that God can use you in a way that he cannot use the person next to you. Your personality, your quirkiness, your weirdness, the contacts that you have, the places where you work, he can use those things, and he can't use those things with someone else. And so in certain people's lives, he can only use you. 
and he wants to use you in a very specific way. And so that's why you know, we get to tap into just who God made us to be, takes the pressure off, but God wants to use each of us in different ways. Your uniqueness is what qualifies you to be an evangelist. So the one that we're very familiar with in the 21st century is that fifth style uh, out of the six, which is invitational. So that's simply when we invite people to something happening. So it's a story that um, Julia shared when her friend Rudy invited her to a debate. So all that he did, he didn't do apologetics with her. He didn't, you know, preach the gospel, nothing like that. He was just a friend. And he said, there's this thing happening. Do you want to come with me? And it changed her life. I've got a friend, Theo. He invited me to church. Simple invitation. And it changed my life. And so it's still a very effective way. But that's not the only way. There are many other ways in which we also get to evangelize. So let's quickly look at the six styles. So the first one is truth-telling. And so this is when we proclaim the truth. It's like Peter in Acts chapter 2 when he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So basically when we just say the truth of God, there's conviction that takes place. The Holy Spirit comes, he convinces, and people actually get saved. Now, for some years, this was effective in many areas in the world. Today, maybe still. But I'm willing to bet in Bloemfontein, if you were to stand on your office desk and just start proclaiming this truth, that you'll probably lose a lot of friends at the office, right? I mean, that, I mean there's context for this. And so truth-telling makes sense within certain friendships, but probably the way that it was done 200 years ago is maybe not the best way in the 21st century, but we're still doing the same thing. At church, we do this often. Every single Sunday, we will tell you the truth, that God loves you and that you are accepted because of the finished work of Jesus over your life. That is the truth. And if you invite people, they will hear that truth. So that's the first one. It's just truth-telling. Then the second one is reasoning. So reasoning is that big word we've been using, apologetics. The explanation of the Christian faith. You see, for some people, their biggest barrier to actually believe and follow Christ is an intellectual barrier. It's intellectually, they struggle to believe in the existence of God or that Jesus could rise from the dead. For some people, that is their barrier. And then this apologetic approach, the approach of reasoning, is so helpful. And Paul did this. In the book of Acts, there's Acts chapter 17. Paul was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And then in verse 32, it says, um, and then others says, Others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. So he was reasoning with them. He was taking the, the, the Greek mythology and their Gentile gods and using that as a starting point to reason with them. He wasn't using scripture because he wasn't speaking to Jewish people. He was speaking to non-Jewish people. So he used another way to reason with them about the existence of God and who Jesus is. And then it goes on, verse 34, and later some of the people became followers. And so here's the thing. In the style of evangelism, reasoning, the win is not necessarily for the person to say the, the sinner's prayer. The win is for the conversation to continue. When it comes to reasoning, that is the win. When someone says, I'd like to hear more of this. 
and the conversation continues. There's something called the Alpha Course. And at the end of the sermon, I want to tell you more about the Alpha Course, and I'm going to invite all of you to the Alpha Course and to invite your friends to the Alpha Course. But it's something that focuses exactly on the difficult questions of life, on what's the meaning of suffering, what's the meaning of life. Is there more to life than just this? Wrestling with the difficult questions of life. And that Alpha Course is built around that idea of reasoning. And the way that it takes place is literally, we come together around tables, we eat together, watch short videos that give some very good explanations, but then also ask a few questions. And then around the table, we just discuss some of those questions. And there's no wrong answer. We just need the conversation to keep on going. And we spend time together. And so that's one of those approaches, and I'll invite you to that also. So that's reasoning. And then the third style of evangelism, of how we bring this good news to the world, is storytelling. It's just by testifying. It's like the, the blind man in John chapter 9. He says, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Simple as that. Just someone saying, listen, I don't understand all of this. All I know is Jesus changed my life. Sometimes when you share your testimony, it sounds like that. Listen, I'm not too, I don't know what to tell you about the suffering in life. I, don't, I can't explain it. I can't explain, like, you know, Genesis chapter 1 to you completely. But all I know is that this man, Jesus, gives me a joy that I can't explain. That I was empty, and now I am full. I was lonely, but now that I know I'm a friend of God. It's just sharing your testimony. And sometimes just sharing your story is what someone needs. It brings conviction because it resonates with a need that they have in their hearts, that people are actually already carrying in their hearts. And then the fourth style of evangelism is friendship. Friendship evangelism. You see, I think in the 21st century, friendship evangelism is probably one of the most effective ways to evangelize. And Jesus did this. Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls Levi a tax collector. He was not a religious man. He was the kind of guy that is really looking forward to Saturday for Bride Day because they're going to get smashed. And, you know, it's not a good guy. But Jesus walks past him, he calls Levi, and he says, Hey, Levi, tonight we're going to feast at your house. So he invites himself over for dinner. And then Levi goes and he invites all of his other friends, the other tax collectors and the other sinners. And Jesus gave them the, his friendship, saying, I'm willing to be friends with you. Not like those other religious leaders. I'm willing to be your friend and genuinely be their friend. And then what happens? Those sinners and the tax collectors, they said, well, this Jesus, it's a lacquer oak, I like him. He's willing to hang with us. Jesus, I'm willing to hear what you have to say. Tell me a bit more about this kingdom of heaven that you speak about so much. You see, here's the thing about friendship. Friendship creates proximity and trust. It is a bridge that we build that someone would actually be open to listen to us. If you don't have friendship, there's going to be no invitational style. There's going to be no reasoning not even truth-telling, because they're not going to be open to your truth. If you're not close enough to them, how will you help them with, when they're in difficult seasons of life? If there's no trust, how will they be open to you? 
And over the next three weeks, so just to say this, so today is just the introduction, but over the next three weeks, we're going to focus on this style of evangelism, friendship evangelism. I know some people are very good at this, but here's the thing, all of us, none of us excluded, all of us, we have friendship to give. It's like not all of us have got money in the bank, but all of us have got friendship in the bank. We all have this commodity that we call friendship, and we can give that commodity to other people, saying, I give you my friendship. Some people won't be interested in your friendship, but that's fine, just get over that and, and then offer it to someone else that's willing to take it. But we can give our friendship, be generous with our friendship, and God can use that friendship in a very significant way to change a life, just like he used it to change my life. And so we get, over the next four, three weeks, we're going to be focusing on that quite a bit. And then the fifth style uh, invitational, which we already spoke about, and uh, it's like the Samaritan woman that went to the people in the city and basically just said, come and see. This man changed my life, but just come and see for yourself. I know you're not going to believe me, but just come and see for yourself. And then they did. They came and they saw. Now, as a church... I want to say this, and I want to encourage you to keep on inviting friends. I've seen so many people's lives changed, and all of them have got this one thing, that friend invited me to XXX. Invited me to, you know, a debate. Invited me to church. And we love creating those opportunities. So the Alpha course is a wonderful opportunity for you to invite friends to. At church on, uh, I think, well, early in October or just after the series, we're actually going to have one Sunday morning, we're going to have a family Sunday where we're going to have a kid's production. It's going to be aimed at the children. There's going to be a nice, you know, all production happening. That is a great opportunity for you to invite friends with kids because sometimes people are very excited to take their kids, you know, to church. They don't care for it too much for themselves. But that is a great opportunity for us to invite. And in that moment, even while we're speaking to the kids, the good news of God will be shared, that God loves them. And they will hear that good news. So opportunity to invite someone. Later this year, as a church, we might do something like a Christmas carols. You know, even in our city, many people, not too interested in church, but Christmas carols, wow, love it. Great opportunity for you to invite friends to you so that they can hear about the goodness of who God is. And then the sixth style. Now, some of you might really get excited about the sixth style, and that is service. Especially in our country, many people will not be interested to hear about what you have for them spiritually if there's nothing physically you have for them. You can't tell someone, I love you, but really sorry that you're hungry. If sometimes to show someone that I really care for you and I want something great for you, start by giving them something they really need, like a bread. You see, as a church, we, we do have opportunities like that. As individuals, we have opportunities like that where we can just serve people. There's this lady in, in the book of Acts, um, Acts 9. Her name was uh, Dorcas, um, which is a funny name because it sounds like Dork. But Dorcas um, says, was always doing good and helping the poor. Always doing good and helping the poor. And that was actually a way that it opened, in such a way that it opened the doors for Paul's ministry just by her serving other people. Matthew uh, chapter 5 and 16 says in the message translation, keep open house 
Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father of ours. How beautiful is that? See, with our street store, that's something we do. We get opportunity to pray for people, but they're open for our prayer because we serve them first. And even if they're not open for prayer, that's fine. We still serve them. Uh, this week, uh, the Oscar sent me a photo of our pop-up learner. So at pop-up, we do skills development training and we help them with their CVs and we did barista training, I think, with this current group. And then we help them with an interview at McDonald's. So we've got an arrangement with McDonald's also. And this group of young people could actually go for an interview to get a job at McDonald's. Do you know that in pop-up, if we compare pop-up with our churches, we see more people making a decision to follow Jesus than what we see in our churches. Why? Because we came to serve them first. Saying, listen, we want to help you find a job. We'll give you some training, soft skills, hard skills, and then we're going to help you get a CV together, help you with an appointment, help you find a job. And then they're going to be open for our good news. Then they're going to want to know, why are you doing this? Because oh, God loves you. Let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus. And so that's another style. Now, moving on to that third point, just to redefine the win, let me quickly ask you, what is the win in evangelism? This is an important one. This is very important. What is the win in evangelism? When do we know now we've evangelized someone? Like, you know, if... Uh, you were at church. Today we did evangelism. When did we do evangelism? When did you do evangelism? Is it that moment when someone says the sinner's prayer? Usually for most of us, that's the case, right? When someone says the sinner's prayer, then evangelism took place. Well, what if evangelism, so here's the question, what if evangelism is not so much a moment, but is more a journey that God is on with someone? That's the way we define discipleship, right? Discipleship is not a moment like, when did you get discipled? No, I'm busy being discipled for the rest of my life. God is walking a road of discipleship with me and he's busy using people in my life on his road of discipleship with me. What if we saw evangelism in the same way? That God is busy walking a road of evangelism with someone and at different points he's using us to do that. You see, imagine quickly a scale from minus 10 being very far away from God, like there is no God and I hate this God that I don't even believe in, right? Very far from God. Minus five is like, I think maybe there is a creator or like some sort of a being up there. I just don't know if it's a personal God. Minus three is like, I don't know. I think Jesus exists. I'm not too sure if he's the son of God. Like minus one, like I'm really close, but... I'm not sure whether I want to follow him, right? Just imagine that as a bit of a scale. And then let's say zero is like that moment when someone says, I want to follow Jesus. When a disciple is born. What is the win in evangelism? Is it only that? Or is it every single time that someone takes one step closer to God? What if we started celebrating? What if we started seeing evangelism as every time someone is just one step closer to God? So maybe God will use you in that moment when someone is at minus 10 and a half and they move just back to minus 10 because they, 
became friends with you and they thought that this Christian is not as weird as the other Christians that I've met. So now I don't hate all Christians. I just hate all Christians except for this one. You moved one point, right? Maybe God wants to use you just in some small way like that. What if evangelism is this journey and this is why that first point was so important is if we see that God is the true evangelist and he's busy moving one person one step at a time, that takes the pressure off us and we can celebrate the work that God is busy doing in someone's life. And what if our goal is not only to get someone to the finishing line, but to just do what God asks us to do? That we're just faithful and we love people in that moment where we get to love them. Now, just thinking about myself, uh, my friend Theo invited me to church. And uh, I was open to it because he was at a party where I was. Everyone was trying to get drunk. Theo wasn't drunk. We had a conversation. And Theo invited me to church. And I said yes. And then the next day I was in church and there was a friend, Pete, Pete. he was preaching the gospel. And I put up my hand and said, I want to start following Jesus. There was an altar call moment. I started following Jesus. Who was the evangelist in my story? Was it Theo? Was it Pete? Or was it my parents that actually taught me about Jesus in the beginning? Or was it God, the Holy Spirit? I went back home. My roommate started having conversations with me, Darren. And he's like, oh, well, I see you don't swear as much as you used to. And we started having conversations. And he started being open to this God idea and I started inviting him to home cell. He says, I don't know what that is, but I'm coming. And then he started coming. After coming three times, our home cell leader had a conversation with him. And Darren started following Jesus. Who was, the, who was the evangelist in his story? Was it me? Was it the people that prayed for Darren? Or was it the home cell leader? Or was it the Holy Spirit? And then Darren went to his friend that he played lock with in the rugby team. And he says, Piet, there's this thing called a home cell. I don't know what it is, but you should come. My life has changed. And Piet comes, and his life changed. Who was the evangelist? Was it Darren? Was it the home cell leader? Was it his parents that taught Piet when he was a young boy? Or was it God working and moving him along? We just called to play a part. Let me ask, put it this way, so I'll, I'll start ending with this. What if evangelism was not an individual sport like tennis, where the pressure is on you, you need to win the game. If you play bad, you're in trouble. What if evangelism wasn't like an individual sport like tennis, but it was like rugby, team sports like rugby? And each of us playing a different position, part of the same bigger game, serving the big coach. You see in rugby, let me just quickly explain how rugby works to the worship team. <laughs> I'm joking. So in rugby, obviously the, the aim, the ultimate goal is to score points, to score the try, get more points on the board than the opposition and win the game. But if you love rugby, you celebrate every line out that they win. If they steal a line out, you start cheering. Every, every time there's meters gained, Every time there's a big hit, when there's a turnover, we cheer. Every time we get a scrum, and we take the scrum, and they spread the ball wide, we cheer. Because all of that is part of the game. What if God called you to win the line out? That's it. 
So on the journey that that person is on, God busy evangelizing that person, He calls you just to win the line out for Him. And then He's going to call someone else to spread the ball wide. And He's called someone else to score the try. <laughs> but God is busy evangelizing. He cares for people. He wants to befriend people. And along the journey, He uses all of us. And that's why I'm saying, friends, some of you are already busy evangelizing. <laughs> you just don't know it. But if, what if we, if we opened up our hearts, saying, God, give me opportunities. We started praying for those friends. Then we get to sit in the front row and witness how God works in our friends' lives. We will start inviting and doing whatever we need to do, whatever God calls us, knowing the pressure is not on us. So if they say no, that's fine, because God's got it. What would that look like? I want to ask you all to stand with me. I want us to quickly take a moment uh, to pray. Now, before we do that, I'm going to tell you just a bit about Alpha. So the Alpha course, we want to start after this sermon series. So it's going to be about four or five weeks from now. And basically what we're going to do is for six weeks on Wednesday evenings, we're going to gather around in this place. We're going to set up tables. There's going to be about eight or so people around the table. We're going to eat together, watch a short video, and then we're going to discuss questions and just spend time together. There are going to be no wrong answers. And that is a great opportunity for you to invite friends. But also, I want to say this, if you are relatively new and you're not part of a group yet, this is a wonderful place for you to get slotted in uh, because then we're going to see a lot of each other you know, on Wednesday evenings and that's going to be a great time of just fellowship uh, for us also. So I really want to invite you to that. And so over the next four or five weeks, each week, we will tell you about Alpha. You're going you're gonna to know about Alpha after the next four weeks. I promise you we're going to over-communicate it. But it's so that you know that I'm passionate about this. What would it look like if we put out our faith and saying, God, even in our community group, instead of just making one table, we're going to make two tables so that we have a few empty chairs. We're going to trust God to invite one or two people extra so that we can have a conversation about God and the difficult things of life uh, around that table. I want us to quickly take a moment and pray. And uh, I want you to think of maybe a friend that you think is... Some of you know that, man, God would be so good for them. If they were just to open up themselves to God, He would just, man, He would change their lives. If there's someone like that on your heart, would you just, right now, let's take a moment, pray for them, and then also just pray for an opportunity that God can also use you. Let's do that together. Lord Jesus, we know that you love people so much, so, so much. And we've got friends that don't know it yet. <laughs> they don't know how much you love them. They feel disqualified. They don't feel like they're good enough for you. Or they just don't know you, God. God, we want to pray for those friends. May they discover just how good it is to know our Creator and to stand before our Creator with peace in our hearts, knowing that this God is not angry at us, but He loves us because of the finished work of Jesus over our lives. We pray for that good news for our friends. And God, would you, with your Holy Spirit, would you give us opportunities? We want to say, yes, we want to be used by you. Give us opportunities, because we want to sit in the front row, we want a front row seats, 
on the work that you are busy doing in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.